Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for mercies. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Thank you, Jesus, for being mindful of our needs. For always giving us and supplying to us tremendous grace, Lord, to make it day by day. Especially to know how to have a fulfilling life. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord, that we're in your presence and before you, the one who knows end from the beginning, the one who has charted out our path in life way before we were born. With every deviation we might have taken, Lord, for whatever reason, you have brought us back to yourself. Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Lord. We pray that this evening you would cause our hearts to be drawn closer to you than before. We would be able to hear the voice of the Spirit of God so that we may prosper in your kingdom, Lord. First and foremost in our souls, then in our bodies, Lord. in our relationships. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, magnify you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We are going to look at God's word for a few minutes. And uh, let's turn to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Praise God. Moment, we'll just read that together. Praise God. Perhaps you've gotten to just peruse that chapter while you're waiting. But we're going to take turns and look at the Word of God together. First John chapter four, <clears throat> verse one. <clears throat> Pardon me. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. In the New Living Translation, it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. We look at this at the outset. Immediately we may think about false prophets such as gurus. Gurus and leaders and other religions and sects, SC 
as ECTS, that is, and cults and so forth. We think um, initially, well, this is good. I need to be reminded because we live in a world with a plurality or multiple, many, many religious persuasions and all kinds of beliefs and people. I remember on the job, secular job many years ago, there's a man who's very friendly. He loved to travel, talk to everybody. And as I was sharing the gospel with him, I'm sharing the gospel with him one day and he said he sacrificed his animals. I was shocked because uh, he didn't seem to match the profile of the people that I had read about who would do such things. But he was uh, engaged in that. So the spirit that was leading him was clearly not God's spirit. He was into some dangerous demonic persuasion. And he had no problem telling me this middle-aged man that he sacrifices all kinds of animals because he's into Santeria. So we hear that, we think, well, many spirits are in the world. Many different kind of spirits and people worshipping these things. But what does it have to do with a Christian? That's why the NLT uh, takes the liberty to focus on people claiming to speak by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes these paraphrased versions, they try to make it easier to understand the context. But there are many spirits, and the spirits can come from God, or they can come from the enemy. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how we know, or by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You read this initially, you may think, well, that's very easy. And it seems that a person can deceive others by saying, I believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. But a person who really is against that truth, such as we see in the various cults, they deny the deity of Christ, and of course, other religions. But also, within that Christian, pseudo-Christianity, false Christianity, these cults, they deny it. So it was happening there in the first century. And how much more today when there are so many more religions? Many people like to say they're spiritual. They say, I don't subscribe to any religion and I'm certainly not a Christian, but I am spiritual and I do believe what I choose to. That's the demonic spirit because the person thinks that he or she is in control, making the choices very wisely to suit their own needs, but the move is really from below. Because it is opposed to God. And anything that is opposed to 
the living God, Jesus Christ, is from the devil. There's no other way to uh, put it from the enemy. Now, when we have groups, pseudo-Christian cults, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, Christian scientists, they all have their Christian flavor and ring to them. They deny that Jesus Christ is divine. They believe that he's created and they believe that he's uh, an exalted human being or they believe that he really didn't exist or that he was an apparition, some kind of ghostly figure. Or he's something that represents, he's an embodiment, like in literature, certain things are embodiments. They're not real, but they're a good way of uh, calling certain concepts and beliefs. And so we give a body to it, and we'll call it Jesus Christ. Many, many different ways that, that cunning serpent deceives people. John had these people who were infiltrating the church coming and saying, we're speaking for God too, we come from God, we love Jesus, but if you ask them, do you believe that he is God manifest in the flesh? First Timothy chapter 3. Is he God manifest in the flesh? Not an exalted human being, not a lesser God, but God himself. Is he? Is he God manifested in the flesh? Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Is, is that the same Jesus we're talking about? God who became man? And if they don't believe that, they have an evil spirit that is talking to them. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not a judgment call on our part, all by ourselves, that we don't like people who don't fit our way of thinking. No. We have to have some standard. If somebody goes to a job and you see 10 different people doing 10 different procedures, anyone with common sense, with common sense will say, well, who's in charge here and what, what protocol are you following? Maybe somebody who's a nurse. The procedure is ABC, but they decide to do CBA. They do backwards. Before they give the medication, perhaps they're instructed to check the vital signs to make sure they have that ability to take the medicine. There's nothing else wrong. Maybe some nurses just give the medicine without doing the basics and they fill in the blank when they want to. Well, anyone who cares, has any integrity, will say, what's going on here? That nurse is doing this this way, that one that way, and these are Vital things, they're not a matter of uh, electing to do what you want, has no bearing on the patient. No, these things have to do with the welfare of the patient. And the doctor has prescribed it this way, or the hospital rules go this way, or the head nurse said to do it this way, or the textbook said to do this way. In other words, there has to be a consensus. There has to be some grounds to refer to as a guide with directions. Our guide is the Word of God. Our reference point 
is what God himself declared. There's nothing else. He's the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's no putting our input in there because we're fragile, we're frail, we're finite, we are failures. We don't know. Only God knows the whole truth. And he gives us the whole truth. It's not a matter of opinion, but proper judgment that God's word will give us everything we need to know. To walk right. And he himself has warned, if any one does not acknowledge that Jesus is God come in the flesh, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And he says, which you have heard was coming, and it's already here. What is the Antichrist? It's both the spirit and a spirit that will have a body eventually, maybe sooner than we know or expect. A person that's spoken of in Daniel and in Revelation explicitly. A person who's going to be arrogant, speak against the living God. He's going to afflict God's people. He's going to win the world over to himself. And he's going to behead people who don't take the mark of the beast. All these things are laid out. A lot of people thought when World War II came around and Hitler was just going on a rampage, they're putting numbers on the people's bodies. Maybe he's the Antichrist. People in the first century, they could have thought that Nero was the Antichrist. Some people could have thought Napoleon was or others who tried to conquer the world. Maybe today there are candidates that we could say this person is really power hungry and they're very deceptive and they have the religious world and the political world in the palm or the palms of their hands. The Antichrist will definitely be a real person, a human being that will be so possessed with the devil that he will actually be carrying out the devil's plans to destroy God's people. He'll come. But the same evil spirit that's in that Antichrist who will come is the same evil spirit that is already in the world, such as from John's day, who would actively oppose. And the saying goes, if you can't beat him, join them. And so that's how the devil came up with the pseudo-Christian cults, such as your witnesses, Mormons, Christian science. And even in some cases, Seventh-day Adventists, because there are people within that group who believe that if you worship on Sunday, you have taken the mark of the beast. And if you don't worship on Saturday, you're going to go to hell. Nowhere in the Bible, but an evil spirit has brought a prophetess or a prophet false people to head that religion and they've won people over and they've made these dramatic prophecies and many people have sold everything they possess and waited for the coming of Jesus whom they don't believe is God but God's messenger and they've been disappointed time and time again. History is replete with those huge letdowns, false prophecies. And then when it doesn't happen, they publish in their magazines or they twist it further and say, well, we really meant it was invisible. His appearance is invisible and uh, all these diabolical lies. 
for our purposes, God wants us to know that anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ does not believe that he is actually God who became man. God gave his life on the cross for us as the spirit of anti-Christ. They're against Christ. And their instructions not to mingle with them, not to even say, God bless you. Because we'll be supporting them if we do that. Don't bid them Godspeed, it says. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Last week in Life Training School, we talked about witchcraft, and we talked about that spirit that comes and bewitches people. That means they come and they trick people. In Paul's case, in the book of Galatians, in Galatia, there are people who came in sneakily and told the new converts and new believers that you you really need to keep the law. Otherwise, you're not going to have a part in God's kingdom. So you have to be circumcised. That was a demonic persuasion because it was not God's will. It was against God's will. That was already over when Jesus died on the cross. He nailed all those ordinances on that cross in his body. But here we see a greater ultimate witchcraft craft of witches. A diabolical plan and persuasion to make people who are in the church, quote-unquote, not believe that Jesus is divine. It's like Islam. That Jesus was perhaps it was an apparition that died on the cross and he just kind of fainted. He really didn't die. Seemed to die, but didn't die. Well, we can see clearly Satan is after Jesus, divinity. He's after Jesus atoning death, payment for our sins. He's after that because that means the end of his plans in anyone's life who embraces the Lord Jesus. So he will come up with things externally and from within the church. Why is this so important? Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. What is doctrine? It's instruction. It is truth. It's the correct teaching because if we have false teaching, we have a math teacher that says three and three is zero. That's false teaching right there. That kid absorbs that and says three plus three equals zero. My math teacher said so. And the math teacher has a convenient Adjusted books, textbooks that he has craftily altered. So the kid actually sees in the textbook. And the math teacher is able to say, go look at page 67. You'll see what I said is true. Three plus three is zero. I told you. That child is indoctrinated with all these false ideas, calculations. He's going to be a wreck. Imagine if blindly that child takes that and becomes a carpenter. What kind of building will he construct? He's liable to kill himself and kill people if he constructs anything with false measurements, especially way off. How much more is it important for us to know whenever God says something, it's not something for just the first century, just for some theologians to argue about 
just for those groups that are involved in dealing with cults. No, it's for every believer because the person who thinks, I don't need this part of God's word, is the one that will fall right into the devil's trap. We need to have that heart to say, Father, everything has a reason that you put in the Bible. And you didn't say, well, for Susie over there, uh, Genesis to Leviticus is fine. For Johnny, uh, Romans to Philemon is fine. And, and for you, you can pick whatever you want in the middle. As long as you got a part of it, you're good. The whole counsel of God is able to protect us completely. Anything less than that partial can land us in great trouble sooner or later. Because the words Jesus said that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. The very words that God has recorded in the Bible, they are spirit and life. Second Timothy 3.16, all scriptures are given all scriptures by inspiration of God that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. And before that it says exactly in what way it ministers to us. It gives us profit for the correct instruction to rebuke us when we're wrong, then to correct us how to get it right. And then training or instruction, discipline in righteousness so that we become more like Jesus. That the man of God includes man is all-inclusive here. The child of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Because he's created each of us in Christ Jesus unto good works to do them. So we see that God's word is what we need to prepare, to correct, to train us to do the very thing that God has called us to do in life. And every part of it is important. Every part of it is important. Now, if we approach the word, there were times I have to confess when I used to read the Bible growing up, I used to be so confused. I was thinking, why is it a big deal about this? And why do they keep repeating this? And Oh, so many words, descriptive words. I mean, couldn't have been said simpler. I didn't think exactly out loud like that or even formulate it that way. But that's the kind of feeling I got because I love Jesus. I love the Bible. I love church. I love God's people. I was a regular church attender and I was very zealous and eager to help people and learn and teach the little kids and stop by the benches after church on the way home and talk to the old people. God gave me that desire and, and help handicapped people, wheel them across the street. I, I felt so good that I'm, I'm, I'm with God. But nobody was there to show me that every word of God is not only inspired, but it's profitable for me. But how do you get profit out of something like this? Learning about the Antichrist. I mean, I'm really not facing the Antichrist now. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well in the world. And that spirit of Antichrist, the number one target is to get a believer to turn against Christ. And it happens through, did God really say that? 
Is that preacher off his rocker or what? Is he really telling the truth? Isn't he complicating things? He may be. There are many preachers today who they just preach whatever they want. And they think that, you know, I will um, give you sermons that I feel like giving. And uh, you just have to take it and go do your homework and see if you can find it. But then there are people who are sent from God to protect our souls and our families and our generation. And sometimes when we hear them and we refer to scriptures such as these, we may feel a disconnect of sorts. I don't get it. I mean, are you passionate about this verse, or this passage? Is that why you're so excited? Are you talking about it? Um, I, I really don't see the value for me now. Remember this always. God himself said, the one who gave the word, all scripture is breathed in by me. I put my very spirit into it. No wonder Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. Breath stands for spirit. Panuma, the spirit. It's life. God says, my life is in the word. Which one, Lord? John 3.16? Every word from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 20, 21. Every single word. All those 30,000 plus words that God has given in the original languages and wherever it is faithfully translated, every part of it is necessary for me. Once I establish that firmly, and I say, Father, I'll never again question, why did God put this here? In a doubtful way, but rather, I know there's a reason, but I need to find out. Lord, help me. Many spirits in the world. Do we have a lot of spirits today? We have many, many, many demons today. Many demons. Roaming the earth looking for bodies. Looking for people to ensnare. Looking to take them captive to do the devil's will. And many, many of them are religious may not be an established religion as a church or cathedral. It may be a religion for the masses, a street religion. All kinds of persuasions, such as uh, the young man we met in New Jersey. We went to minister in a faith-based rehab. He was a warlock. And he told us what his title was in that particular religion and how demons used to speak to him as a child, eight years old. Very real. And the more he spent time with those demons, he started getting some powers from those demons. He could read people's minds, he said. We had no cause to doubt him. And then the demons turned on him. He said, all kinds of things happen. 
where he said, when I'm sleeping, spiders will fall right into my throat, my nose, all kinds of things. Repeatedly, only him. No one else in that cabin. And he started understanding that they have me at their mercy now. And he started getting scared. And he was persuaded to come to a place where they believed in Christ. But he still wasn't free. He was having a battle there and he was being manipulated and manipulated also. Remember God's grace, we went there and Pastor Cooper preached one day and he was wondering, how did you preach that? And he, he was amazed. He said, the power you have seems to be more than I have. And he had questions and he began to curse right there. While they were teaching him the Bible and everything is going through the curriculum, he was uh, enslaved. And that day he was gloriously delivered. That It was actually after midnight, I believe. He not only renounced witchcraft, magic, he renounced his bisexuality. He renounced everything. It happened to be his birthday. I think it was 23 or 24. And he was so liberated. And the man in charge there in that teen challenge, he was just, he was just watching stunned because he said, what happened to you? What happened to you? And this young man had a smile on his face. He said, I'm free. The next time we went, I believe a couple of months later, he was in the front worshiping the Lord. There are many spirits out there, many evil spirits. So it's very relevant to us, and that's my point. In this context, especially the evil spirits that deny the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is God. He's not divine. That's what they say. And what will happen if we end up believing in a Jesus that is a great teacher, great example, hero, sacrifice himself, uh, but he's not God? Well, that means that the blood that he shed totally ineffective for us because only God's blood can cleanse us. It has to be sinless, divine. So you see how cleverly it undermines the whole purpose of the cross. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to the people who are in the group Then they decide to leave because they were following the Antichrist, that spirit. But he's talking about the real believers. He's talking about the real believers. Telling them, even though this is happening, don't worry. The Holy Spirit that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Who's in the world? Spirit of Antichrist. Many evil spirits coming from that one satanic spirit. Finding bodies who are false prophets, false preachers. Cults, all kinds of things happening. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Have you ever seen people absolutely fascinated when somebody talks about an ashram? Somebody talks about, I'm going to go and, and have this meeting somewhere, and it's a little uh, secret. Or it's something so empowering. It's going to be a religious retreat. And we're just going to have a blast. And you know what? 
even though I'm not Indian, I can still get to go and I've met school teachers and all kinds of people who love that stuff. How come the world hears them gladly? You know why? Because it's not the truth. The world buys lies. So whatever the devil speaks, the world is ready to receive it. People in the world who don't know Jesus. We are of God. He who knows God is us. Our, our uh, Zen meditation. The word Zen is so popular everywhere. I try to get rid of anything that says Zen. Very sneaky too. It can be on a blender. It can be on the back of a wrapper. I, I saw a wrapper of a good product. It was uh, some kind of natural soap. It says zero to Zen in no time. I said, look at that. Yeah, it rhymes with 10, but what could be the reason that that word is so popular? Because it's a religion. It's a demonic religion. It's supposed to make a person relax and be at peace. It's not from God. Can anyone have peace or really relax without God? We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So this is why we need to know. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We had to get rice and uh, someone brought us rice, a relative. And all of a sudden we saw the image of an idol right there on that sack. We told them we don't need this. Forced to take it. See, it's one thing if, as Paul said in the marketplace, if, if there's a, a very restricted um, area where food is only sold here. It's the only food that's available. And uh, the people are sacrificing to idols before they sell them. See how the Lord dealt with that through Paul. People are wondering, should I buy it? Should I not buy it? And there are certain criteria. On the one hand, that demon is not going to touch me if I have to eat it. But for the sake of others' consciences, or weaker, I'm not going to touch that stuff. I'm not going to eat anything if that's going to bother their conscience, you see. At the same time, when we have the ability to choose, you see where your heart is. If we know our hearts, we really love a product, and we're just desperate for it. Many years ago when we did the live streaming from home, when we started the ministry, we needed something to facilitate the live stream. The only thing we can find, and we're searching all kinds of gadgets and everything everywhere, everywhere in the world. That time, the only one that was very reputable was Black Magic. It was the name of that device. Highly rated. He said, no way. See, the devil just tried to shove it down somebody's throat. You got to get it. It's not a matter of food. We found a workaround. It was much more difficult. I wanted a, a software to help take the diction or dictation. And uh, 
The one that's highly rated even today, I believe, is called Dragon. I said, no, thank you. I don't need any dragon to translate what I'm saying and type it for me. Oh, there are many Christians that come on. Look, if you're going to look at everything and say this is wrong with that, and that, we had people say that to us, even relatives. They said, listen, you're in the world, right? You're going to see dragon, Diablo, Dagon, Molech, Baal, Zen, Zeus, Pegasus, Hercules. I don't buy things with Hercules on them. I know what Hercules is. Why? It's a question of basic loyalty. Imagine if you found a product that you really love. And the product is manufactured by or has an emblem or logo. Suppose your dad's name is James Whittle III. Your own dad. Suppose all of us have a dad named James Whittle III. And the product that we buy is anti-James Whittle III. It's right there on the logo. Anti-James Whittle III. Would you buy that? Would anybody in their right mind buy that? Imagine the child saying, but I like the product, Dad, James Whittle, Jr. or Sr. or third, whatever. How would you feel as a dad or mom? Imagine your name is on, your full name, and nobody can mistake it for anyone else. It's you. If you have three names or four names, all your names are there. And the logo says anti-mom and dad, the full name. The person actually hates your dad or mom. Would you buy the product? No, we see it in a different light. As long as I'm in charge of manipulating God and religion for my own ends, it'll seem to be kind of odd if I have to let go of this deal that's a steal because of some logo somewhere. I'll just take and rip the cover off and I'll keep the product. Well, is it that desperate of a situation that we need to have the product? God will see. According to the light we have and according to the context of the situation, everybody will be judged by God. He's the truth. But it's a love relationship, you see. I love my father so much. There's going to be no Zen, zero Zen in my house. Zero idols. Zero anti-Christian spirit. And I don't have to go around wearing t-shirts that either don't make sense at all or are anti-spiritual. Why? Is it a fashion that I have to wear things on my shirt? Suppose somebody wears something that says uh, Spalding or some basketball or clothing company. As long as it's not bad, there's nothing wrong with that. It's manufacturer, it's a good quality. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to fear that, oh, it's another person's name. It doesn't say Jesus. No, not everything needs to say Jesus in print form. Jesus has to be in the heart. That'll come out no matter what clothing we wear. If he's really in the heart. But there are things that are anti-God that we need to be aware of. There are some spouses who, spouses have problems. They will have magazines because the woman likes 
Women's Day, whatever they call it, you know, whatever magazines that's particular, particularly uh, appealing to women. It may be because of some crafts or house or cosmetics, whatever it is, but they know there are pictures in there that are not good. As a woman, it doesn't bother me, perhaps. But what happened? They they say, well, I don't think it's going to harm anybody. Meanwhile, the spouse is getting affected by it. Or this particular woman has all kinds of demonic tattoos. It's very visible. But she's the star of some field. Where's our loyalty? These are the ways those evil spirits will come in. They really do. Because we are celebrating them by allowing them in. So as I said, according to the light we have and according to the context, God will judge. Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in blood transfusion. I'm going to use that as example. And... uh Bring it to the context of real Christians. They don't believe in blood transfusions because they think the life is in the blood. So the person's spirit is going to be polluted if somebody else's blood goes in there. Their spirit is going to be touched by the blood. That's what they believe. Absolutely unscriptural. The life is in the blood. but doesn't say the soul. Soul is immaterial. But a believer who decides that I really, really need this thing. And it comes to a matter of life and death. Suppose there's a person who's a diabolical doctor or researcher, and he has this anti-venom somewhere stored in his laboratory, and some believer got bit by a snake. Everybody knows this man is evil, but he also has his expertise, and he's the one with this serum or this anti-venom. And it's reported that when he gives it, he does some spells. Now, That's something to shake people up. But the kid is dying. It's a Christian. And here's a blatantly anti-Christian spirit who's got this thing. Are we going to let the child die? Are we going to say, Lord, you know all about it and this is the thing that works? There's nothing wrong with the actual medicine, but the person is not right. And he's using some occultic power to try to do something. Just as an extreme example, we can say the same thing about people who are in the ER or any place, business, hospital. Oh, a lot of evil spirits are in people. God only knows what's happening behind closed doors in many people's lives. Not everyone, but a good deal of them. We just have to see the statistics. How many people are into A lot of strange stuff. And that's why people are shocked. When it comes out in the news, they say, I've never thought. He was such a good-looking person, a good, kind person, good woman, and 
so so careful and so nice. And what are they doing behind closed doors? Maybe they're chanting. Maybe they're meditating. Maybe they're sacrificing things. Maybe they're they're wicked. Maybe they're perverted. Have you met people who are professionals who are perverted? doesn't take long to look around. The earth is corrupt. But outside, they look fine. If the Lord is not there, they're open game for anything. And the Bible says, if it's hard enough for a righteous person to be saved, if a righteous person is scarcely saved, in other words, the, the amount of battle that comes against a human being, even a righteous person, is so great. What will happen to the ungodly people outside? The road is hard. The way is narrow. Strive to enter in. Not that we're defeated, but it's a battle. Until we get stronger and stronger. But what will happen to the people who don't have God? The devil can do anything with them anytime. That's the bottom line. But in this case, if we know that a certain hospital, I'm talking hospital and medicine because I'm talking about life and death. That place is uh, just, you know, anti-Christian. It's on the board over there and the people are anti-Christian. And But that's where we need to get the treatment. There's nothing wrong with the treatment. God understands perfectly. He's about life and he will protect. Maybe somebody gets saved also in the process of trying to help us. You see, these are the type of scenarios we have to look at. That's why I said the context. God understands. I mentioned about that Hindu wedding that uh, Pastor had to attend because her friend who got born again from being a Hindu was forced to marry a Hindu Otherwise, they would have killed her and the family could have poisoned themselves. It would have been a big mess. So God understood that. By God's grace, the husband, who had no clue about Jesus, through the wife, began mm-hmm. to hear the word of God. By the way, Pastor Cooper didn't attend the wedding. She went to the reception. God led her to do that. That girl got saved through Pastor Cooper in college. And then she mentioned the situation that they're going to kill me and they're going to kill themselves if I don't get married to this Hindu person. She prayed and prayed. Pascal prayed. That man, I, I met him actually way back in 2000. God just kept opening his heart more and more. He loved his wife so much and he understood that Jesus is the truth. You see? How many people will be ready to judge now, this is not to say we can, that's a, that's a very, uh, unique kind of situation. These days you have people who say, well, I think I really love this person. I think I can save the person. And they end up going right into the ditch with that person because God didn't tell them to do that. He said, what fellowship has light with darkness? God gave a revelation over there based on the situation. And who knows? I don't know to this day, but. Perhaps her parents got saved. Perhaps other people in the family, the husband got saved. Imagine. So we have the principle. Then we have the contextual 
factor. God looks at how much light we have, what kind of heart is behind it. God knows. He knows when somebody's uh, having their private agenda. You know, I mentioned a thing before, a man that I met on the secular job many years ago. He was a, a funeral director, mortician. And I was just very shaken by that, that this man sees dead bodies all the time and he dresses them up and doesn't bother him one bit. And I spoke to him one day. I said, these people are somewhere. Did you ever think about that? He said, oh, yeah, I know. It's just a job. I got the business from my father and making tons of money. And I spoke to him on several occasions and he was deeply convicted. But he told me he'd like to check out a certain church somewhere. And he said, because I can make more contacts. It just grieved me so much. He saw church as a business place. Meet and greet people. So you can get your agenda met. How can people be like that? How can a human being have so much of an ulterior, sickening, low motive to see church as a business place? To see who I can contact so I can get ahead. That's what he was doing. So God, my point is God knows our hearts. God knows exactly why we do what we do. It's a sobering thing. If we ourselves backtrack and think, and God expects everyone to think, why do you reach that, reach out to the person? Why do you want to have lunch with that person? Why do you want to visit their church? What is going on in the back of your mind? You know, to God, everything is laid out. Everything is clear as day. But then there are people who would swear, I'm I'm telling you, I'm doing this because I love God and I love people. And God says, you're lying because I know what's in your heart. You have something in the back of your mind. You have your agenda. You have been bewitched. Trying to use God and trying to use church. Then there are those who God himself sees right through like an x-ray. He says, I see no guile, no deceit whatsoever. Straightforward. Really love God. Really love people. It's a very rare thing these days. Very rare. I hope we're among the rare class there. Because those are the people who make it to heaven. If the others don't repent, they're not making it to heaven. Now, there are people who start out that way, or they may be seduced. They may be seduced into thinking, well, I got used to this church stuff and God, and I'm over the fear of God now. Initially, I was shaking like a leaf and on a tree, but now I get it. I understand the fear of God, and I can always make up for it. And, you know, I I was really afraid, like thunder and lightning is going to strike me, but nothing happened for the past two years, two years. So I think I can manipulate God and manipulate the servants of God. I can manipulate church. I can manipulate a lot of things. I have an agenda in mind. I have something going on. Something's on the back burner. God sees all these things. So when we talk about a person having light, what God has shown me is right. My conscience says, Lord, 
I've got to do it your way. I'm turning over a brand new leaf. And Lord, I'm not going to make excuses and try to manipulate this. Oh, the pastor said this, or I read this over here, and hey, look at that marriage. Look, it turned out okay. They were not equally yoked. and turned out, So I guess I can do the same thing. Remember, according to the light and according to the context before God. We need God's revelation. And we need his help to help us to navigate every issue in life from interacting with people in the faith to dealing with people outside of the faith. There's always a right way and a wrong way. Always. And God will show us what is the right way if we are honest. So the spirit of Antichrist is something that is dead set against the truth, against God himself, and will deny God's deity, but in a more subtle way, it'll draw people back to the world. Greater is he that is in the in you than he that is in the world. But if I'm part of the world, can I claim that? There are Christians who love to say that greater is he that is in me, greater is he, and they sing that, they quote that. They have little promise cards, you know, greater is he that is in me and that is in the world. It becomes a cliche. When they say God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, greater is he that is in me. We bind you, demon, we curse you, we cast you out, we take victory over you. The devil just laughs at that. He says, you just turned, you just learned another language. You don't know anything about this world of the supernatural. I want to be clear that I'm walking humbly with God and I, I really have power from him and I really know what I'm talking about. And I want to walk closely with him and not make any mistakes. And if I'm going to say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, I better not have the world in me. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That demon spirit will come to people and tell them to leave the place where God is working and speaking. Can, can we argue with that point? What other spirit will take a person away from a place where God is working and changing their lives? It will be the devil. And we have to guard against that. We have to be aware of that. There are people who let their children watch cartoons where they've been instructed and shown in detail. Do not get it, even if it says Christian. If you see anything of an anti-Christian attitude in those little adorable characters of how they talk back to mom and dad, even a little bit of rebellion, even in the in the case of making a point and teaching a moral lesson. There's a proper way to do that. And in my experience, what we have seen in our family with so many videos over the years for our kids, screening, 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 how many times God is my witness, absolutely exasperated, thinking what is wrong with these people? Why can't they just make something godly all the way through? Why introduce things here and there and innuendos here and there? They're planting seeds. Many, many Christians who manufacture products, especially media, 
They're not walking in the spirit. That's why there's so many avenues in there that the little ones who we think are watching a Christian program, a cartoon, they pick up on attitudes and think they wonder what happened later. As parents, we have to screen everything if we really love our children. Every attitude. It's not just the content of the dialogue. What kind of face does the kid have when he talks to the parent? Does he try to be somebody who's witty and try to make the parents look dumb, even in a joking way? Or an older brother or sister look dumb? Or It's really the world with a Christian garb. No wonder the Christian kids, and a lot of them, they grew up, they don't want anything to do with Christianity because they don't see any difference, really. God will give us what is pure and good. If we have decided, I'm going to follow Jesus and not the Christian crowd. Sounds like an oxymoron, contradiction. It's the truth. The Christian crowd at large is largely intoxicated with the world, with a religious veneer in Christian lingo. That's the truth. That's why you have so many people struggling to follow Jesus and then struggling to control the children and then it's sad. The children making choices that embarrass the parents and they can't do a thing about it because they didn't watch when they're being developed and growing. So there's a right way and wrong way. And lest we should be lost in a deep lament of regret and say, well, I blew it. You know, I didn't do that with my kids growing up. The only thing we need to do is cry before the Lord and say, I, I failed. I miserably failed in so many ways, Lord. I have to confess that if I have any kind of integrity because ultimately it's against the Lord. They belong to Him. Our children, though biologically God has brought them through us, they belong to God. They've been given to us as gifts. Children are inherited from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. I have to confess to the Lord, Lord, I haven't done things right as a parent. I may have appeared better than the other people in the church or Christian relatives, but before you, I, I failed because I didn't want to work or walk according to the light you've given me. So the first thing is to say that to the Lord. Next thing is, Lord, from here on in, here on out. Our grandchildren, or if my children, I have access to them, I will, I will lovingly keep praying for them and talking to them about you, Lord. Because there are adult children who get born again gloriously after a lifetime of not being raised in godly ways, even in Christian homes. It's possible. And certainly if we have little ones we babysit or we have own grandchildren, if you have grandchildren, to make it our business to be Jesus to them, to correct what we've done wrong. God will take all of that. He will not only forgive, He will bring fruit out of our labor in the later years, latter years. Somebody's got to speak the truth. Somebody's got to accept it. Somebody's got to take action about it. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's a spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Praise God. He definitely has not only the jurisdiction, but the divine prerogative to use anything he wants. Satan is at his disposal too. Now, in the case of Job, God sent 
the devil access. Not because he didn't love Job, because he loved him and he knew what the outcome is going to be. Job's going to be faithful because that was his character. He was uh, severely tested. But God knew the parameters or the boundaries that Satan will be allowed to work within. And the end result was Job got stronger, the devil was put to shame, God was glorified. In the case of Saul, he was a man who actually consulted witches in the end, a witch in the end, he was already a man that was under the spell of the devil willingly because he kept his pride up. He would not surrender his pride. Every time God says, don't do this, he said, no, I'm going to do it. And he wanted to look good while he rebelled. It kept going on and on and on. And in his mind, he might have thought, well, I'm still king. All these years I'm king. I know I'm not really in like that with God anymore. That's okay. I have the food I want. I get the choices food. I'm the king. I got all these people trembling under me and I call the shots and I'll do whatever I want. So being a person who served the devil, he, he defected from God. He was already under the domination of devils and God says, is that the way you like it? Have some more. God will do that. Nobody can mock God. A person that continues to think that God is a fool, every time God warns, they say, ah, that's just scary talk. You know, it's not going to do anything to me. Look at me. I can still brush my teeth. I can go to work. I can, you know, you always got spooky preachers and Samuel seems to be one of them now. And he likes to cry all night and pray for me. Whatever you want to do, Samuel. I have things to do, places to go to and people to see. Restless, foolish, stubborn. He already had a bunch of demons with him. God says, you want to serve them? Let me give you a taste of their medicine. Even then he didn't repent. He should at least said this. I have a tormenting spirit. I'm going out of my mind. I need somebody. And they said, this man, young man, David can play the harp. And, and he was first sleeve when this anointed child of God plays the harp. He should have realized, oh my God. I was under the domination of this evil strong man, head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a mighty man. He became a mighty man. He was a warrior. But he was a wreck when the tormenting spirit came. When he came to having been ministered to by the Spirit of God through the anointed David playing the harp. The tormenting spirit left. He should have said, David, help me. David, help me. God, help me. I don't ever want this again. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? He didn't stop. He kept going on and on and on. He's a tragedy in the making. God has every right to say, I can see the end from the beginning. God could have given Saul a billion years. 
God saw the heart is so wicked and stubborn and proud, self-sufficient. This guy will never change. I'm going to put him in, put an end to him. Can we believe that? Is it hard to believe that God will put an end to certain people? A lot of people say, no, don't preach that message. That's, that's, that's horrible. I thought God is love. I, God is God. He's love and he's holy and he must put down rebellion. He's not going to put up with it for a long time. Would you? How many of us will go to the job and if you're the employer, see people doing whatever they want instead of doing their jobs, they're on their phones and they're doing their hair. I mean, right there in the office, the other one's there cleaning his sneakers. And uh it's chaos. You're saying, hey, hey, what, what's happening here? What on earth? It's not Friday. It's not dress down day. You're not just dressing down. This is, I think it's a party. I'm paying you to work. That's rebellion right there. Are you going to say, well, I love you all. And uh, I like the way you dance over there in the corner. That cubicle is really spinning, boy. I know you're not producing too much work, but hey, it's just an entertaining day. And Can we do it again tomorrow? You know what the people say? We love you, man, boss, boss man. And we get paid to. Let's just set the whole place on fire. We like pyrotechnics. Let's go. Yeah, rebellion after rebellion after destruction, catastrophe. We think that's a pretty ridiculous thing. Nobody would do that. Why do we expect God to do that? The Bible says in the book of Peter, judgment must begin at the house of God first. Right in the house of God. That's what God says. That's in the New Testament. So evil spirits that are embraced by anyone, God plays no favorites. There's no respect of persons with them. Whoever decides I can do this to God and get away with it, whatever man sows, that will he reap. They're in for a very rude awakening. God himself will let the demons loose. He'll give permission. He doesn't cause evil, but if somebody is evil and they insist on rebelling against God, they'll say, have it your way. End of story. Uh, but does it happen that quick? I mean, is God just going to turn people over? No, he doesn't. Thank God. I want to mention something very important. God waits a long time, but when he starts the judgment, often is very swift. Isn't that scary? I love God because he's so good. He's so holy. He's so just. And he says what he means, and he means what he says. You can always predict how God will behave. All he says is, I love you so much. Just listen to me in everything in your life. No demon will touch you. But if I say, Lord, I want the world. Who's the God of this world? The devil. I want his media. I want the way he does things. I want to imitate the people next door. And that one over there, God will say, well, you're your own God, like Saul. So I'm going to let you have your own way. And when the evil spirits come, it is tormenting. I want to take you to the same same book. 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. Somebody please read that. 1 Samuel 15, 
verse 22 to 23. Please read it slowly, clearly, and loudly. In fact, one of you can read verse 22, 1 Samuel 15, 22, and the next one, 23. And Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Praise the Lord. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Praise God. Praise God. Last week in Life Training School, I mentioned how you can know when somebody has a spirit of witchcraft, the witchcraft that's happening to their mind, even Christians. And I mentioned how rebellion, and somebody might think, well, how are you putting one and one together? I mean, witchcraft is witchcraft. Rebellion is a general thing. We have it right here in the scripture. I was going to share that this week, actually, in LTS, but. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. There's a persuasion. I kept using that word in life training school. There's a demonic influence and persuasion that I can rebel against the authority of God and get away with it. I can rebel against the servants of God that God has placed in my life and get away with it. I can rebel against the light that God has given me in my own conscience and get away with it. There's a spell. And to hold fast and be stubborn when pride is there. You know, sometimes people like to say, I can't stand the pride that person has. And they're not able to see the pride they have. In speaking when they shouldn't speak, or speaking in a way they shouldn't speak, or withholding speech and sharing things when they should, is a sinister spirit of pride. And it's stubborn. And it manifests in different ways. So a person doesn't have to be a warlock or a magician or a witch casting spells and having voodoo dolls. And no, the moment you say thank you, but no thank you to God, you're in rebellion. And we need to watch for that. You see, the word has been recorded. It can happen to anyone. Doesn't matter if you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Or 10, 20, whatever it is, male, female. God says, again, I go back to 2 Timothy 3.16 and close with this. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, God breathed and it is profitable for all of us. For what? For instruction. We need to be instructed. We can't leave human beings by themselves. They'll corrupt themselves. We need God's instruction every day. And we need his rebuke. Also, when we're not right, we need it. We desperately need it. Child who grows up hating when the parent kept disciplining, usually is a child that'll more often than not thank the parents. But the one who loved the parents growing up because there's no discipline will grow up to curse the parents because they saw that wasn't really love when they let me do what I wanted to and cared more about, more about hurting my feelings than hurting my soul. It's profitable for instruction. The Spirit of God is recorded. It's profitable for 
reproof or telling me when I'm not right. Thank God God speaks. We'd be lost without that. We're going to a deeper and deeper mess, wreck ourselves. We need God to watch over us. He needs to superintend our lives. We can't be independent like Saul. We'll end up being a fool. No matter how rich we become, how wise we seem to be in the eyes of the world, how much we work out or go to the beauty parlor, all a waste in the end. Everybody will be with worms in the end. But the soul is what needs to be beautified by obedience to God's commandments. Second Timothy 3.16, again, given by every scriptures God breathed, including this in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. God breathed into this. His life is in these verses. I need to understand it that way. And God has given it to me to instruct me. I need instruction. I do, myself. The pastor needs continual instruction from the Spirit of God so that I can grow in him and, and be stronger and do the things he's called me to do. All of us need that. But I need to believe what God has said about the word. That it is important for me to hear the instruction from God. It is important for me to be corrected by God. Or I should say found out and shown to be wrong when I'm wrong. And then correction is the next one. To be told, okay, that was wrong. Now this is the way you correct that. And then to train me or to discipline me. That's the meaning of the word there in the Greek. To give me the continual training I need in the way of righteousness, so that I may be a person who's completely equipped, well-equipped, well-furnished, to do every good thing God has already put in my blueprint. Would you want to go to God at the end of your life? And God brings out the blueprint and say, you missed about 50,000 markers here that you were supposed to have done. This, is my, this was my plan, but you ignored everything. You thought you can get by, go from A to Z, just like that. It's a grief. God was heavily grieved with Saul. He picked Saul. He loved Saul. Sammy the prophet loved Saul. The man of God was sorely grieved. He said, you become a fool. Oh, He cried all night for this man. God says, stop crying. It's over. I, I, God might as well have said to Samuel, I've been crying over him for a long time. My heart was grieved. And I kept talking and talking and talking to him to, to send him to you. I send you to him. The guy would not listen. He's so hard. In his heart, evil man. He was an evil man, Saul. That's why God sent the tormenting spirit. Judas kept stealing and would not listen. And one day he got possessed right there at the table. Fully possessed by Satan. And it was over for him. Why did God record this? To warn us. The warnings are not hypothetical. They're very real. Nations have been warned, such as Sodom and Gomorrah. God put an end to them. Nineveh was warned, destroyed. So individuals like Saul and Judas also. It still happens. The person who's wise will know, oh my God, I'm dealing with God. And this is how he is because he's the truth. And I sure don't want him to be grieved with my life. But rather, I want him to be joyful over me. I want God to rejoice over me with singing. A lot of Christians love to quote these nice verses, but they don't know what's involved. You've got to fear God if he's going to rejoice over you. And fear God means a healthy fear to do what he says, including parenting, marital relationships, employee-employer relationships, how to do jobs, 
how to listen to the servants of God, how to behave ourselves, as Paul said to Timothy, in the house of God. These days, people don't want to hear instruction. They want to hear nice promises on how to get healthy and wealthy. God will give all those things, but it will be a great tragedy if he gives us all those things and we end up in hell because our souls did not learn to fear the Lord and to love him. Blessed be God's name. God has brought us to a place where we will be prepared adequately to have a rich, abundant entry into heaven. We should make use of all of it. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you that every need that we have, you continually meet. And Father in heaven, I thank you that we can, Lord, know exactly how you lack. There's no surprises with you, Lord, as far as knowing where we stand with you and what you'll do for the people you have given your word to. I pray, Jesus, that you continue to work in us, that we will be set ablaze for you truly, Lord, to know what it means to be on fire for God, that it means to love you truly, absolutely in love with you, far more than with anything or any person, so that your love may flow like a mighty river, Lord, touch many lives before our lives is through here. We will have the rich, abundant entry coming to kingdom. Help us to keep far from evil, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You said, Lord, do not look at the cup when that wine is red. It'll deceive you like a snake. Don't look at that cup when that wine is sparkling. And you instructed those people who would serve you, Lord, in the church, as leaders. Lord, you told them. Lord, you told them to stay far away from wine. Don't even go near it. Lord, a similar thing you said for people who had trouble with adultery or flirting. To keep yourself in every environment. Stay far away from it. Do not seek to please people, but please God. Tell people, Lord, who, like Judas, Lord, have a, a covetous heart. To shut down every voice that tries to bring an easy deal to get rich. Thank you for teaching us to know ourselves, Lord. What are our weaknesses, everyone? What is our former state? What was our former state? To guard against those things. Extremes and emotions. People pleasing. Self-pleasing. Gluttony. All these things to know ourselves and say, I'm not going to fall for any of these things. Because I fear God. I love you, Lord. You're my life. You're my very breath. Your word is my food. Oh God, thank you. You've shown us how to become pillars in your kingdom. We're done with all that has enslaved us before and tricked us. The masses are following after. Many of our relatives are being led like a horse by the carrot with the devil's schemes. Going here and there, to and fro, doing things. There, a vacuum inside. There's a void. Empty shells. Just like we used to be. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Spirit, giving us your word. 
we may prosper. We thank and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.